the Drosh, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is apparently Belgian French for oh. the rain. Ah, very uh, good. Apparently, rain in French is something different. Dois? Uh, no, that's so left it was. Yeah. Pleu, pleu, il pleu, I think. I don't know. I thought you said le trash. I thought we were talking about Paul Ricard for a second. <laughs> le trash. D-R-A-C-H-E. I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, but so it was in Spa this weekend. Some different kind of rain. I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? Good. We have like a million words for rain in Ireland. We're like the Eskimos and ice. Um, so there's no shortage. Uh, Ladrash, I wonder mm. if it means like bucketing down or it's spitting or it's lashing or it's cats and dogs or it's pishing. It's uh, it's hard to tell. There's so many beautiful <laughs> ways to explain uh, rain, which is just as well because we had lots of different brands of rain uh, this week in uh, the spa, the spa francochamps. Speaking of hashtag brands, also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Doing pretty well. I feel like I feel like I read somewhere that the uh, Eskimo like language to describe ice thing was unfortunately <laughs> a myth. I, I think so. Yeah, I think it's wrong. But the Irish one is true for sure. Well, that's because you have so you many. Know. You have so many slightly profane ways to describe a weather condition. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you're new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 216. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. What do we have going on this month? Danny. Uh, we had Need for Speed at the end of last month, and we are continuing that trend with a review of Gran Turismo later this month. Are we going to have to go to the cinema for this? Is that is I've that been what's thinking happening? about that. Like, yeah. I don't, uh, Rob, have you ever re- reviewed a movie that you saw in the cinema? Because <laughs> I don't know what to do. I can't, I don't want to bring out my phone and, like, you know, like illuminate <laughs> everyone around me, but I'm going to have to take notes. Like, do I bring a memo pad and put it on my I, you know yeah, what? You just write, I actually you just do write have freehand in the dark. Oh, yeah, man. that's dangerous. Okay, I'm gonna. It's gonna. Look I do like... have a like, uh, 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 um, like a clipboard that uh, velcros to my thigh that I have for flying. Flying. Oh yeah. That I could probably use. Maybe a like a pocket blackboard and chalk. You know, so really just. <laughs> <laughs> really annoying. Or what about uh, everyone around like a you. voice recorder? Oh yeah, that's good. Just record. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like everyone a yeah, dictaphone. That. Is that what they were called? Is that what we? Sure. Is that, is that the word? Stenographer. Exactly. <laughs> yes. There we go. Now we have it. Bring a typewriter. Absolutely perfect. Um, yeah, I don't know, but we're gonna do it because we're real racing <laughs> journalists over here at Shift F1. <laughs> um, and a massive thanks, of course, to all of our incredible title sponsors, Agave, ATX, Cyphus Training, Turf SES, Alex Medina, Kickaha of the Art, at Team Jack, blah, 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 <laughs> at Team Blackjack, not Jack Black, as I was about to say, although it'd be cool <laughs> if Team Jack Black was here. Um, sure. Yeah, Michael Maves, Gordy's Army, at Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, telemetrydeck.com, FTC, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foot, Abdullah Off, 
Thani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, This Space Above Us podcast, Bunny Fiend, Snigs, Alex Goucher, Max Voltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Humberto Roca, William Romp, Irvine Clinical Research, Lachlan the Maddened Man, and of course our good friend Jason Kelly. Thank you all so much. I'm also just about finished my edit of the uh, the uh, beautiful time we had at Sonoma Raceway. Uh, I see Drew is wearing his Sonoma Raceway mm-hmm. shirt, so the perfect time to remind me to just put the finishing touches to that so our beautiful Media Pass patrons will be getting that as well this month. Looking forward to it. Uh, also looking forward to recapping all... Every every event that happened this weekend, I I feel like we haven't done a sprint weekend in a while, and there was so much, so much happened. Everything happens so much. Yes, all the uh, time. Uh, I'm gonna start with the sprint grid. I don't even remember how we do this. Do we do the sprint? I'm gonna do the sprint first, Why and not? then cover qualifying. Even though qualifying for the race happened before the sprint, <laughs> qualifying in the sprint grid. I'm just executive decision. Sprint grid. Uh, both the sprint qualifying and the regular qualifying started wets Mm. um everybody uh on the sprint grid started on intermediate tires and then it's that weird when do we go to to slick tires uh stroll tried it (laughs) in uh in sq2 uh didn't work out so well he sort of just was looking like he might do it but he drifted off uh the track into a wall bringing out the red flag and ending the session um but uh, it was a pretty interesting session. Oscar Piastri looked like he had pole uh, for the first event in his Formula One career. But of course, the party was ruined by Max Verstappen uh, taking a sprint pole, I guess, by 11 thousandths of a second Oof. over Oscar Piastri. In third was Carlos Sainz, uh, Charles Leclerc fourth, Lando Norris was fifth, followed by Pierre Gasly, Lewis Hamilton, Sergio Perez. Esteban Ocon, George Russell in 10th. Then we've got Daniel Ricciardo, Alex Albon, Logan Sargent, uh, Lance Stroll, and Fernando Alonso in 15th. And then Yuki Tsunoda, Valtteri Bottas, Kevin Magnussen, Joe Guan Yu, and Nico Hulkenberg at the back of the grid who missed out on his final run by about a second, the time ticking down before he could get over the line. Uh, sorry, Nico. <laughs> um, three or four of the first laps of the sprint were taken up by running behind the safety car due to the wetness um but we eventually got to a rolling start danny we did yes uh, a rolling start and i guess due to the makeup of these wet tires where in or i guess maybe due to the makeup of the intermediates and their ability to to get the job done and also i guess the fact that we just they weren't really r- racing on proper wet you know anymore if it was it's safety car time kind of seems like it is at the moment um it made a pretty easy decision for everyone to come in and get the inters on they had to start on the wets because of the conditions of the track and the safety car and all that sort of stuff so really it was a question of um who's going to come in um much like i believe was it hungry two years ago with uh uh, lights out and away we go lewis hamilton only when he was I think that was Mon- one of was that monza I don't think it was Monza. The pit was on the other. Oh no, the pit was on the same side. No, it wasn't Monza. It was. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was Hungary. I'm pretty sure it was Hungary. I could be wrong. I definitely. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Monza though. Um, but anyway, uh, I could be wrong. Um, in any case, we were wondering who was going to come in this time. It wasn't going to be a, a grid start like it was going to be that time, um, where there was basically no reason not to come in at all because we're all going to have to stop in the pits anyway. 
Uh, this one was a rolling start, which does pose the question, depending on where you are in the order, do you come in or not? Um, generally, you would think you're going to lose so much in a lap uh, driving on wets that when they get out on the inters uh, and you have to come around on your second lap maybe and, and get the inters on that you'll have lost so much time that it won't have been worth it. But there is always the issue of congestion in the pit lane and where you are in the pit box and who's coming in is always a big part of that. Max Verstappen is the biggest question mark of everyone uh, because he has to. He goes in first because the championship winning team is the first box on the, the grids and it then descends from there. And the issue there is, is that he has a pit stop and then there's like eight cars come in behind him. They can't let him out uh, until those cars have passed or worry about getting a penalty for an unsafe release or something like that. Given the fact that he's in an incredibly powerful, strong car, which is likely to make up any time that is lost whatever they do, they opt for the more conservative approach, and Verstappen goes out. He is the only lead driver of all of the grid to not have their, to not come in. So, otherwise, the front running drivers on the grid for all the other teams come in. Perez also comes in, obviously, because Verstappen hasn't. And uh, the winners and losers out of this, the winner um, is Oscar Piastri, who manages to get in and get out before any of the folks who pitted behind him uh, managed to sneak out. I think he might have been the front box, the furthest along box. So McLaren's like position in the standings last year actually kind of benefited them because they were pretty far down. Um, the folks who didn't enjoy much uh, luck out of this were... Uh, I think it was Carlos Sainz for Ferrari who came in and got stuck and they were quite reticent to put him out in front of everyone. Um, Perez also didn't have a great job of it, but they launched Perez out earlier and he actually managed to jump Sainz in the pit as well. So Sainz just had like a bit of a nightmare um, pit. Uh, and then around they went and then the opposite end of the field, uh, Max Verstappen, who at this stage has actually quite a long gap to the cars behind him because, you know, the next car up was whatever, position 10 or 11. Um, he comes in and gets his pit done, but obviously Oscar Piastri has gotten a track position ahead of him, um, and then the rest of them come in and uh, and get changed onto inters immediately. So the wets were pretty much gone right away. Yeah, it's effectively an undercut by uh, Piastri because he was, you know, having come out with those faster intermediate tires though he was behind on track, was still lapping quicker mm. so that when Verstappen came in, Piastri had eaten up enough time to uh, come out ahead. Um, but lap three, pigs are flying because Fernando Alonso has made a mistake, everyone. He drops the car on the curb, spins off into the gravel, and brings out the safety car. Yeah. Um, very unusual for him. Yeah, uh, one, one of those ones. Like a, that a very one... human mistake, it looked like. Yeah, exactly. It, it seemed like the type of mistake we, we would be complaining about a rookie doing and it being, you know, kind of what we had last week. Like, just, you know, you or Perez when he when he put his wheels up on the up on the grass last week, actually. That's probably the one that reminds me of the most. It was just off the line and, yeah, unfortunately, just one of those ones you don't get back once you, once you spin in the rain going downhill at Spa on, a, on an off-camber turn. Uh, that's, uh, that's pretty much murder she wrote. Yeah. Uh, same goes for the restart on lap six. Piastri doing his best, but Verstappen just clobbers him on the Camel straight, even without DRS, uh, and gets by to take the lead of the sprint. Uh, later in the lap, Hamilton uh, goes for the attack on Sergio Perez, nosing up the inside at Stabilo, 
and just crunches into Perez's side pot. And while Perez does keep the place, the damage really does a number on his performance, and Hamilton is able to get by him as they go through turn one. Uh, and then Signs just behind, pounces and gets Perez as they head into Rouge, followed yeah. by Leclerc at the end of the Kimmel straight. Uh, this does earn Hamilton a five-second penalty. Uh, you guys have any perspective on this this incident? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's racing incident. I don't know. It's it's uh, saying it's racing incident says that there shouldn't be a penalty for it. He did like just bash into this. Like he was he was. It was just an unfortunate error, I guess, on Hamilton. I don't think he was being particularly. Uh, risky or dangerous but obviously the grip that he needed wasn't really there where he put the car and yeah i think it's i think it's a fair penalty for you know he definitely damaged uh checo and and you know uh sort of made his race uh, uh untenable at that stage did yeah he, I eventually like paris's damage oh go ahead Rob. no i mean i'm just like i just didn't like the call like like for me it was i feel like is it a racing incident should probably trump the impact a little bit like to me it looked like a fair move to attempt i didn't like maybe that maybe there was telemetry you know they saw that they that made them less happy with with how the 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 incident went down but to like for me looking at it it's like i'm not sure that is necessarily a move i would have would have issued a penalty for i suppose i suppose it is a different i, I suppose that the difference is that he didn't carry it off. Uh, he ends up basically only being able to overtake Perez because Perez's car is like horribly compromised <laughs> at that point. And so like yeah. to do nothing is to basically concede a massive advantage uh, to, to Hamilton. At, like, so I guess from the standpoint of like in terms of what was at stake... And then the consequences for both drivers, you you kind of, you could either let Sergio get completely screwed, or you could wrap <laughs> Hamilton's knuckles. That's that's a fair point. Whether or not this is something that, by the letter of the law, there should be a penalty for, or is this just justice? <laughs> and, yeah. and are those two things the same thing? And they're obviously they shouldn't necessarily be the same thing. But I guess nobody's going to complain that Hamilton got a penalty given the fact that. Yeah, Perez got overtaken by both Ferraris on the Camel Strait, and nobody and, no, and nobody wants just like to move into an era where like, hey, sorry, collisions don't count if it's sufficiently full send enough. I can see where you don't want to set that precedent. Yeah, fair. Well, eventually Perez's damage uh, propagates such that he can't even keep it on the track. He takes a dip into the gravel, and while he does come back on to the track, he retires. Uh, before the end of the race. Did it seem almost uh, weird how lap- quickly things came apart? Like, his, his car seemed yeah. normal for a minute until the Kemmel Strait, right? Yeah. Like, it's for a minute there, it seems like they just had, sort of had a a, a a light contact, but they're they're going pretty, like, wheel-to-wheel down into the source. And then, like, you know, at, by the time they're at the end of the Kemmel Strait, it looks like Sergio is now driving, like, a Formula 3 car. Yeah, and when and then when yeah. he tried to take that turn, the one that he ended up on the ground, it just didn't turn at all. Like it was, like it was looked like it was completely banjacked. So I wonder if because it hit the side, but I that doesn't necessarily read to me like how much arrow are you gonna like? He was it the floor? Well, there's also the the floor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so like one of those, it was a big chunk. Yeah, like and the floor is so critical now with the ground effect car, right? So I suppose yeah. the floor had a big missing chunk, particularly if it like breaches the on one side. Yeah, would create sort of the seal. I could I could sort of see that accounting for for what happened. I do know that by the time he pulled into uh, the pits, 
it did look like those pictures of like World War II bombers landing in an airfield after a raid, where it's like, oh, that's <laughs> that's a lot of missing uh, frame. Yeah. Uh, lap 10 of 11, uh, Ricardo goes a bit wide in the final chicane, allowing Russell the opportunity to get past before turn one into the last of the points paying I positions. Ugh. I know. It's almost there, Danny Rick. Uh, but that is how things ended up. The end of the sprint looks like this. Max Verstappen comes home with eight points for his first place, followed by Oscar Piastri. Nice. Then Pierre Gasly rounding out the sprint podium. Uh, behind them, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. Lando Norris, Lewis Hamilton uh, actually finished fourth, but with his five-second penalty dropped to seventh. Then George Russell in that final uh, eighth spot with one championship point. Uh, ahead of Esteban Ocon, Daniel Ricciardo, Lance Stroll in 11th, Alex Albon, Valtteri Bottas, Kevin Magnussen, Joe Guan Yu in 15th, uh, Logan Sargent, Nico Hulkenberg, and Yuki Tsunoda ahead of the DNFs of Sergio Perez and Fernando Alonso. Uh, just one last thing on, on just on the events Saturday. Uh, what is that? This was kind of one of the scenarios that we've been a bit concerned about, just like how wet were things going to be? How are they going to handle race start procedures in these conditions? We already talked about the fact that, uh, yeah, like wet tires appear to only be functionally useful for running behind the safety car but uh it, it, it is worth noting that after after the race uh gasly was talking about for him starting in the middle of the pack it felt it, it felt really unsafe uh you know even after a few laps running behind the safety car the visibility was so bad that he couldn't see more than uh 20 meters in front of the car which is not really the visibility you need to react to hazards in front of, in front of you and you know as he, as he put it as we've seen like your concern heading up uh, over Radion is that anything could be happening in front of you and you just wouldn't be able to to react. Uh, yeah. And at the end of it, you know, after somebody mentioned this, this quote to, uh, to Max, and he also said it feels like to him visibility in wet conditions is so much worse than it was a few years ago. Mm. And, uh, you know, even behind the safety car, he felt like visibility was really, really poor. And, you know, as he points out, the safety car doesn't do to rain what NF1 car does. Uh, so, you know, he also sort of ended up at a place where, you know, if, if, if we want to have decent visibility, as he, as he put it, if we want to get rid of uh, the, if we want to get rid of the spray issue, we can't do a race at the moment in the wet uh, if we want good visibility, mm. which does point at like the scale of the problem we are facing uh now this seems worse at spa because it's such a rainy track but man it, it it does feel like this is this is a major problem just that one's going to be contending with uh with just like you know more intense rainfall patterns when when they crop up and the fact that it just doesn't seem to take very much to render render conditions really really scary for drivers because like everyone i think is was okay you know f1 drivers can handle tricky conditions and like low grip conditions the lack of awareness right the the thing that keeps drivers safest is ability to control and react yeah and if you take that away if you effectively like you know blind them in in the fog of the spray there's there's not the, the prime the car's primary safety system can't engage 
which is the driver itself yeah. right like their ability to yeah yeah like it's um it's very reminiscent of uh like when you when we look at the crashes that have happened in you know be it at spa with antoine hubert or um that poor uh younger kid was a delano van toff mm-hmm. um um just recently or even if you think about um marco simicelli like a lot of these incidents are the results of the uh rider or driver being like they're all being collected by another car like that's the yeah the accident that's occurring there it's not the survival cell not being able to hit a wall like for these things know, are built to survive just about really any incident exactly. but not the second incident yeah yeah exactly exactly once the frame has been like compromised and also generally when they're getting hit they're getting or the ones in which at least there are those like horrible instances yeah. of people getting um killed is when they're getting like broadsided or mm-hmm. something you know um and like you said, and nobody nobody can see in front of themselves. So you know what what is there to do? They're not even lifting, you know. And you can tell how much of a difference that is. So yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it's a it's a very interesting and difficult situation for them. But you could see the difference in this time when they like even the fact that they didn't do standing starts this time. We didn't have that whole issue like we had before, right? Where we're just standing start crash, standing start crash, which was great television. I'm not gonna lie, but I think given what's happened at Spa only just recently and also of course in recent years it wasn't really you know people's flavor at the moment it's just like yeah let's just keep it keep it keep it a bit conservative for the moment maybe but it does feel like they also just lucked out that the rain eased you know if if it just remained a little steadier i feel like we might be talking about like another disastrous weekend in spa so this issue does feel like both a safety crisis for for motorsport and then also just a crisis for you know, if 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 handling the safety issue means we can't run the race, uh, mm-hmm. then you know we have a major problem for what are we? How are we supposed to handle these events? So I just wanted to put that, put that make that note is that at the end of this, at the end of this, with everyone sort of being on their best behavior and trying to be really conservative, <laughs> you still had drivers coming away from coming away from Saturday, feeling like it was very sketchy. Well, as I mentioned, qualifying was also damp. Uh, We had enters in Q1, um, and the field eventually shook out. uh, Also a pretty interesting session. Like this, Charles Leclerc on pole position. Max Verstappen qualified in first, but dropped back five places for changing his gearbox. Um, Sergio Perez in second. Lewis Hamilton third. Carlos Sainz fourth. Oscar Piastri in fifth. And then Verstappen. The real drama, though, uh, was in Q2 when Verstappen just squeaked by uh, in 10th place. He said over the radio, I should have just pushed two laps in a row, like I said, to which his engineer replied, and then when the track was two seconds quicker for your final lap and you didn't have any energy left, how would that have gone down? Uh, Verstappen did apologize uh, later, but this little spat continued during the race, which was very entertaining. Um, but lining up in seventh place, Lando Norris, followed by George Russell, Fernando Alonso, and Lance Stroll in 10th. Then Yuki Tsunoda in 11th, uh, Pierre Gasly 12th, Valtteri Bottas 13th, Esteban Ocon in 14th. He hit the wall in Q2 uh, and did not uh, go on. Uh, Alex Albon in 15th, and behind him, Magnussen, Joe Sargent, Ricardo, who had a great lap in Q1 to get him out, but had his time deleted for track limits. Yes, yeah, such uh, a killer. Pretty right at the brazenly end. cut the top of uh, <laughs> of Radion, I think it is. Mm. Um, yeah, and then Nico Hulkenberg in 20th. 
Uh, Verstappen all um, happy at the end with uh, Jean-Pierre Lambiassi, or uh, GP as he's known. There was a great little... That back and forth was quite funny, and then he apologized at the end of uh, yes. uh, Q3. It was quite cool. Yeah. Uh, do you want to take us through the start of the race race, Danny? Absolutely, I do. Can you tell me who the lead Alpine was? Was it Gasly or Arcon? I think it was uh, Gasly. Uh, on, the lead the Alpine was Gasly. Yes. Gasly, yeah, okay. So uh, off they went, lights out, all that jazz. Um, the main action on the first turn happens when Carlos Sainz has a very brief lockup behind Hamilton and is diving down the um, inside of turn one. Diving down the inside of turn one makes it sound a little bit more dramatic than what it was. There was a gap to the inside of Hamilton, and Sainz was going for it. Uh, Oscar Piastri, unfortunately, was also going for uh, sort of uh, an ever-closing gap to the right of Carlos Sainz, and um, attempts to do uh, an optimistic uh, overtake, perhaps, in a a part of the track that uh, Carlos Sainz said after his race ended. is one that uh, historically has not been a place where people can really overtake. It tends to just result in crashes. Um, uh, He ends up tagging the inside of Carlos Sainz. Uh, His front left uh, hits the uh, side of um, Sainz's car. This ends up having a bit of a concertina effect to all the crowd behind them as um, Piastri slows down, and so does Sainz, but slows down pretty bad. Um, Ends up catching Gasly in a little traffic jam Ocon Ocon who qualified like three places below him ended up overtaking him as well did most of the field especially the folks on the right side um the two of them ended up not making it uh, around uh or sorry Piastri was out I think almost immediately um and then the main overtake that happened was actually uh Checo Perez at the back of the Kevel straight and um, he managed to fairly quickly overtake Charles Leclerc uh for first position yeah, Sainz hold on, holds on for a while, uh, but with that big hole in his side pod, gets mm. past a bunch, so he does eventually retire. I This one, I, I felt bad for Piastri because it, to me, you know, not, not a racing driver, but it looked like uh, the move was pretty safe right up until it was not. Yeah. Um, he, he looked like he braked pretty early, but it's just that Sainz moved in because he had to, right, to, to make the corner. So and that turn. Um, yeah, it, I, yeah. I, it didn't I don't know feel if you like watched Piastri any was, the... Uh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it just it didn't feel like Piastri was trying to do the whole like lap one, gonna sneak it up the inside and, and get it. He he was occupying yeah. fair space on the track and it was the only space available to him. He was leaving room was outside. It's just that it felt like Signs was forced to take evasive action to prevent running into the back of Hamilton. Uh was it Hamilton that was right in front of him? It was, yeah. yeah. Hamilton was in third, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, he has that lockup and just goes, like, skittering into the middle part of the track. But at that point, like, he becomes the wedge that is closing on Piastri. So, yeah, for, for me, it didn't look like it, it didn't look like Piastri was trying to do anything untoward. He was just kind of stuck in a position that was only a little awkward, but became untenable the minute signs came into the middle. Yeah, I think it was one of those ones that, like, um, it's kind of a too wide corner, like due to the nature of the way out of that corner. Like basically the acceleration out of that turn is so important because you're carrying yeah. that the entire way down to the Camel Strait. And people don't tend to have those like, it's not like the first turn in Hungary, right? Where you can all go kind of take all these different angles and then you're not really punished for it because on that little straight run down to the next turn, this is one where really 
there's only two lines that people are going to take. And it was one of those things. Signs have made a good point after the race, which I think I'm getting a lot of this from, where he was saying, like, anyone who's driven here kind of knows that the accidents that happen on turn one happen when people try and dive up the inside of that turn. And it's because we can't, you know, they can't see behind them. So they're hoping that someone isn't going to do the thing that's going to result in a crash, which is going up the inside of turn one. So I think in his... um uh, it's a, it's just a shame though, and 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 otherwise, like Sauer's a fairly great weekend for Oscar Piastri. Like great oh, qualifying, yeah. got a second in the sprint. He's really like, uh, you know, uh, he he was definitely number two at McLaren and has been, and Norris has been on a bit of a tear. Um, so it was great to see him kind of get one this weekend. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he he's shown pretty brightly in the in the sprint, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more from him. Um, Verstappen gets by signs pretty easily on the Camel Straight as well into fourth place and ready to challenge Hamilton for third. Again, that is in the opening lap from sixth place. <laughs> uh, lap five, the, the other McLaren of Norris also isn't doing so hot and had a pretty weird race. On mm. lap five, he was in ninth, having lost two places, or I, I think three with Piastri, uh, and gets passed by Stroll with a honestly kind of a baller move a dive bomb into that final chicane uh and then by russell into turn one yeah both of them Um, and all three of them on mediums as well so it's not it's not a mismatch or anything like that because there were Mm -hmm. a lot of people on softs but they all three of those are on medium yeah and although signs is compromised two drivers get by him that i think really shined uh in this race as well sunoda and albon yeah uh their finishing positions don't really tell the whole story because they were kind of passing people all over the place uh in a way that I feel like we haven't seen very often this season, so just wanted to highlight those guys. They do they do pop up here uh, in in my notes. I think Sonoda's um, early race uh, ability actually is something that doesn't come up very often, but he has fairly consistently managed to like get a couple of places at the start, first couple of laps of you know uh, these races. He's really good. He's a good like fighter in the mid pack. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And it just ultimately you know much like Albon probably doesn't have a car that over the course of, you know, several hundred miles isn't going to, um, isn't going to do so well against, you know, the, the peers around them. Uh, lap six, Norris comes in to swap from medium to hard tires to see if he can stop some of the bleeding. And at the same time, Verstappen gets by Hamilton into third place on, I believe it's the Kemmel straight. Hamilton having kind of no options, uh, Verstappen, is just so fast uh, on this race and is now chasing down his teammate. Mm. Uh, and by lap nine, he has already gotten into DRS range of the second place Leclerc. And with the help of uh, DRS on the Camel Straight, easily passes him on the outside into the next corner. All that's left is Perez two and a half seconds up the road. Um, and it's shortly after that that we get some more snipey radio from Verstappen and his engineer, uh, GP, who says. <laughs> Don't forget to use your head, please. Uh, Verstappen <laughs> says, are we both doing it or what? You just follow my instruction. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I want to know if both cars do it. I think he's probably talking about you know a, a tire strategy here. Mm. <laughs> GP says, Max, please follow my instruction and trust it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, very snipey, very fun to listen to. It's amazing. Uh, GP then how he talks to <laughs> a lap it's like, later it's, it's like a it's like a like a school principal or something you know what i mean he just, yes it's so it's amazing yeah how he's able to do that yeah i and i feel like you know we only get 
you know, the information that we get from the race uh, about what these guys are like, right? And it's not representative of who they are because it's always a high-stress situation. But, like, that, the whole dynamic there, it just, it's very easy to read it as, like, Max is this hothead and GP is the only guy who, (laughs) you know, isn't, like, a yes man around him or something, you know? Like, he actually is the, he's the, uh, I think we've used the, the analogy in the past, he's the, he's the golden retriever to, uh, that gets paired up with the leopard of Max Verstappen in captivity to keep right. him calm. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, um, but but like you said, it's um, you you, you never really know, and and also like I, you know, there are I feel like it's a very I don't know what Dutch people are necessarily like, but like I do feel like having those types of caustic like back and forth, but retaining a lot of like respect with people is a very European mm-hmm. thing. You know what I mean? Like that's mm. something I learned that I had to like calm down when I came to California was to not be so sort outwardly aggressive about things because that's just, I don't know, not to be overly generalist, but like that, you know, I feel like that is much more common in, in, in Europe and certainly in like uh, sports. I imagine it definitely is where people like, you know, effing blinded people, but they're, totally fine five minutes after the whistle is blown the the one thing right. i'll say because it because the sniping kind of goes on through the race so maybe we just like just talk about like there's a message later in the race that are like very pointed uh but the one part of it was like max seemed pretty normal over the radio but the snippiness was coming from the pit wall and after a certain point it's like i'm sorry which of us is like recognized as sort of the best driver on the grid right now and is turning <laughs> blistering laps in this? Like at a certain point, you know, you just you just keep me apprised of the race. You just keep me apprised of like the state of the race and let me do the thing I'm the like the best at right now. It was kind of like it, there was there was a little bit some of the testing this felt odd to me given how impeccable Max's performance has been. Uh, if you know, it's if, if there were more mistakes you could point to, if there were more things you'd point to, where like Max seemed to be jeopardizing things in a way that was like readily parsable, but that just n- didn't seem to be the case. Mm. So some of the some of the tension seemed to be coming from a place I couldn't quite figure out. <laughs> it's always hard, isn't it? Because you never tell. Like, are they not sharing some of the messages? Are we reading? Are we yeah. getting a different view on this? Because like we're only hearing certain. What you know, but. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a that's a fair judgment. And we don't know what goes on be- before in the, in the briefing and in the post race briefing. Maybe and, Max, you know, yeah, after. stole his, his bagel. You know what I mean? Like maybe Max like <laughs> spat on his coffee or something. You know, who knows? Well, from here in the race, it's kind of a uh, let's go now to the Kemmel Straight and see who's overtaking <laughs> kind of a show. Yeah. Uh, Ricardo gets by Norris for fourteenth, Ocon by Magnussen for twelfth. Uh, Albon and Sunoda traded places a couple of times, which was fun to watch. First Albon on Sunoda, and then the other way around. Sunoda ending up in 10th. Uh, on lap 17, the straight gives us the teammate battle we were expecting, such as it was, as Verstappen gets by Perez with DRS for the lead of the race, looking like he's in an entirely different car. <laughs> uh, on the same lap, Russell clears Stroll for 6th, having been stuck behind him for a while. And a few laps later, Gasly gets by Stroll for seventh. And yeah, there's some passing, I guess. People are trying some different tire strategies. Uh, Norris in particular, who, as I yeah. said, has kind of a weird race. 
Um, he had gone under those hard tires, intending to go uh, a long way on them, but his pace was just nowhere. So the team brought him in for soft tires uh, right around the time that it started to rain. Yeah, which seemed like uh, bad news. Um, but the rain was such a weird little rain shower that never mm-hmm. seemed to pick up. And then Norris ended up putting in like a mad stint on those softs. Yeah, so um, it, it, the rain does cause Verstappen to almost lose it through a rouge, which oh. was just a yeah, a real a real goosebumps kind of moment. Um, Squeaky bum. Yeah, but yeah, Danny, n- nobody nobody bites on the intermediate tire. But what the rain did do is succeed in slowing down practically everyone else who was out there with worn tires. <laughs> yeah. So Norris, with those new softs, ate up a lot of time on uh, those cars that eventually did need to pit getting by Sargent on lap 22 around the outside of that long downhill right-hander, which was quite a move. I think he was 20, in, on lap 22, he was 17th. And after a lot of that rain shuffle that happened, he had made his way up into, by lap 38, he was 7th. So, oh yeah, the, fantastic. I'm going to, I should put the, uh, I'm going to make a note of this to put the race fans lap chart oh, cool. um, in the show notes because... Uh, it's just, you can see him. It's this bright orange streak that is only, the only one going in that direction. And it's just like a big cross through the entire field. It's awesome. Very cool. Very um, good for McLaren as well. As You know, I bet they weren't feeling too great about how the week ended up, but that was definitely a, a bit of a bit of a cherry on top, I guess. Yeah, or, you know, at least uh, some consolation prize for uh, Piastri's. Consolation uh, frosting, yeah. There you go. Um, lap 23, Sonoda gets by Gasly on the Camel Straight for sixth place before pitting. Uh, and around here is when we get that uh, additional Verstappen radio. GP says, this tire had reasonable deg in the first uh, stint. I would ask you to use your head a bit more. Mm. Verstappen says, I can also also push and we can do another stop. A little bit of pit stop training. No, not this time. <laughs> so I wonder also if like poking use yeah. your head is code right for go long on these tires. I don't know. I I, I th- there was may- maybe because he doesn't keep repeating it. But the the one part shut the fuck up was code for we're going on wet. <laughs> <laughs> I w- there there was one thing that that I was kind of wondering about some of this particularly the bit about like maybe we can throw an extra pit stop in there and see what happens <laughs> uh, is this also a please can you just not humiliate Checo for one goddamn race mm. <laughs> like yes we know you can put we know you can pull a safe pit stop mm-hmm. gap on, That's on, a good point. on Sergio we, we know you can do that we really need you to not do that God, that that is a that is a, literally that is the first thing that has made sense in my head of why because like it's not like they've ever been worried about him pushing in the past and it's not like the track was in a particularly dangerous spot or that he's not a sure hand here like they've literally done the whole him pushing thirty seconds ahead and doing the fastest lap and they obviously don't need the fastest laps anymore they've they've almost won the championship already. So yeah, I think that's actually very astute. Although he, I think he still ended the race twenty two seconds ahead of Perez. So he he did, <laughs> but like that's without doing <laughs> but the not pit 50. stop. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, right. Yeah, that that's kind of the the level of dunking where it's like I pulled out a safe a safe stop and and just left you <laughs> in the dust that way. Because yeah, it, it is like Red Bull has one driver that's you know they nothing else is needed. He's just cruising to this victory. 
And then the other driver is like having a crisis of confidence, and they still want those points. Yeah, well, they got him. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get to the race result in a second. Lap 33, just a few more notes here. Uh, Gasly gets by album for 11th place with a great series of moves through multiple turns. Uh, just really good driving by both of them. It was fun to watch. Uh, lap 38, the other Alpine is coming alive. Two Ocon getting by Sonoda around the outside of the chicane at the end of the straight. Uh, really tight squeeze there, but he manages to make it stick. But yes, Verstappen wins and the Belgian Grand Stroll Prix. As well, a couple of laps later as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is the eighth win in a row uh, for Verstappen, equaling the record held by Alberto Ascari and uh, Sebastian Vettel. Uh, Sergio Perez, his teammate, came home in second place. Maximum, well, almost maximum points for Red Bull. Charles Leclerc <laughs> in third, rounding out the podium. And then Lewis Hamilton, who pitted late to get the fastest lap, gets that extra point in fourth place. Uh, behind him, we've got Fernando Alonso, the Aston Martin uh, saying, or, or uh, Fernando saying that uh, the Aston Martin felt a lot more uh, back to normal this mm. weekend. Uh, George Russell in sixth. Lando Norris hangs on with his soft tires for seventh after uh, what was sure to be uh, just languishing in the back of the field. Uh, way to go, Lando. Esteban Ocon in eighth, Lance Stroll ninth, and Yuki Tsunoda uh, also hangs on to the points-paying positions there. Uh, yet another point uh, for Alpha Tauri. Pierre Gasly in 11th, followed by Valtteri Bottas, Joe Guan Yu, Alex Albon, Kevin Magnussen in 15th, then Daniel Ricciardo, Logan Sargent, Nico Hulkenberg in 18th, and the DNFs of Carlos Sainz and Oscar Piastri. Yeah. And that was the uh, very, very eventful uh, <laughs> Belgian Grand Prix. So many events. He, here's the thing, though, right? Let's. It, it, I feel like this is an argument that comes up every once in a while when we have one of these races. Because these races happen every once in a while. There's a famous Chinese Grand Prix from maybe 10 years ago where there was like. 80 overtakes or something crazy and nobody remembers it and this was this weekend felt a little bit like that because overtakes are not it everyone thinks yeah. that overtakes are the measure of how good a race was and i'm sorry yeah. that is not how it works totally we crave them when they don't happen but when they come they don't give us the nutrients that we need and it's the it's the weirdness of this year as well where when you read out the driver's championship Let's all. What was? Remember, there was like Formula One point five, and there was all these like versions, uh, Reddit, uh, you know, subreddits where they would basically like imagine the the championship as if Mercedes weren't there. Imagine the championship if the Red Bulls weren't there, and it is amazing. <laughs> Obviously, it wouldn't work the same because you'd be getting twenty five yes. points if they came third or whatever. But like, it's we're in such a weird like little season where there's actually like a lot of really good racing happening and you know but it's just nobody gives a shit because the red bulls are just running away with it and it's just such a bummer mm -hmm. yeah uh well also a bummer for one alpine team boss rob <laughs> what is up <laughs> who no. could have foreseen this rob no. who could have seen this coming fucking rob and his crystal ball could have uh, it turns out that reminding your bosses that they promised you 100 races and you're only in like 30 of them 
is not actually a persuasive argument. So uh, shortly after you recorded, heading into the uh, Belgian Grand Prix weekend, uh, Otmar Safnauer was released as Alpine uh, F1 team principal effective after the race. So he got a sort of walking dead uh, race of... he got sort. He got sort of a, a a one last race weekend to to lead the team. Mm. Uh, you know, he wasn't the only casualty. Uh, a uh, their long time. I mean, long time, like thirty years at the company. Uh, Alan Pomain was also released uh, from from Alpine as as a part of this this house cleaning. I had. I think I had missed this as well. I knew that uh, we we had mentioned the fact that uh, what was it Luca De Mayo? Was sort of installed above, uh, mm. uh, above Safnauer, and that w- that seemed like a a, a bad sign for uh, Safnauer's longevity. The thing I missed is shortly after that move was made, he was installed between Rossi and Safnauer. Well, that was resolved because Ro- uh, not, uh, Laurent Rossi was also moved to special projects away from the racing program. <laughs> Ooh, special projects! <laughs> Sounds like gardening leave. Indeed, it does. The, uh, the archives of Williams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, could you alphabetize these, please, Laurent? So yeah, so so Rossi Rossi lost his job, and then Safnauer and Pemain lost their jobs, and Alpine seems like a shambles, which meant sweet, sweet Schadenfreude for a lot of ex uh, Alpine uh, personnel nice. and advisors. Mm. Alain Prost. We called out ages ago that he thought Laurent Rossi was a egomaniac and was destroying the team. Here are some of his words on on okay. hearing the news of what all has unfolded at at uh, at Alpine this this past week. Laurent Rossi is the best example of the Dunning Kruger effect, that of an inept <laughs> manager who thinks he can overcome his incompetence with his arrogance and his lack of humanity towards his people. He was Alpine's wow. boss for 18 months and thought he understood everything from the outset, yet that couldn't be further from the truth. His management stopped the momentum the team had built since 2016, achieving those podiums and that win. Let's check it. Let's check in on our old friend Cyril. Oh, Christ, yeah. Oh, please. So one thing you mentioned was they thought the hundred race plan that Safnauer was talking about, but that Alpine had like drawn up as their sketch. He was like, "That plan sucks." He said that it's absurd to <laughs> like call that a plan because F one doesn't care if it's race ninety nine. One hundred does not mean you're due, and everyone else is making progress too in those hundred races. It's an absurd way to an absurd way to run a team. But then he also said, the previous management made a point of having complete reset after I left, which involved dismissing about 15 people. We underestimate this all the time in F1, as in other highly competitive sectors. It takes time to get someone from the competition. When you lose 15 people and you hire, it takes two or three years before it takes effect. The reshuffle that Laurent Rossi decided to make, we haven't even really seen its impact. Which is, this is one of the, so this move... The motorsports press are obviously just like teeing off on on Alpine, but this is one of the the, the central issues. You you alluded to a moment ago, Danny. Gardening leave is a thing in F one. Like even if they don't want your services anymore, if they have you under contract and you have like useful skills and knowledge in your head, they would prefer you have a nice long vacation, 
rather <laughs> than have you start work at a competitor team. So yeah, like Lauren Rossi, even if he was able to get the people he wanted, uh, there's sort of a spin up time to getting those people those people on board. And now they've reset yet again. Uh, so that is the the team is in a in a disastrous in a disastrous place uh, on the eve of you know a period where they need to develop a new car to the new spec. Interestingly enough, uh, leadership at, at Alpine, uh, Bruno Femin, uh, Femin, mentioned that they didn't. So we knew that Laura Rossi had made those really like scathing comments about how much the team was sucking and how much it needed to pick get its act together this year. And so uh Femin did did clarify that it was actually not the team's performance or a feeling about like confidence in the team's leadership. He said it was a disagreement, but there was just a lack of shared vision among the stakeholders. He said we never lost confidence I think when we are developing these kinds of projects, we really need to be on the same line with all the team and the top management of the team. We were working together, but at one stage we realized that we were not on the same line on a couple topics. Uh, the competition, it's so hard. If we're not 100% aligned, I think we all have enough experience that it's useless, useless to continue together and everybody has to learn to go his own route. So hmm. something transpired, uh, you know, Perhaps mid house cleaning, like did was was Sathnauer not poised for the chopping block, and then something unfolded between him and the you know the the incoming management uh, click. I have no idea, but it is as bad as like things seemed over there. This does sort of seem like they've kind of blown up the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, who are they going to? Who can they replace him with? Well, I mean, one thing that's been noted is the team is in such obvious disarray and it's such a revolving door in terms of who is the team principal that a lot of your better candidates for a team principal might not be interested in the job. But there is one name just in the hopper right now that keeps coming up. Anyone want to guess? I'm going to say Maurizio Arrivabene. Drew? Um, Ron Dennis. <laughs> wow, dust, dusting off a classic. Uh, no, no wrong <laughs> answers. I like these. They're all great answers. Okay, so remember Coach K. <laughs> oh my God, Brad Pitt. <laughs> so re- remember when Ferrari released Mattia Bonato? One of the things I mentioned is that it was a lot of like uh, power unit knowledge. That was walking out the he door with no- him. He was my number two, but I wanted a Riva Bene more. I know. I want those that that <laughs> classic. I want those classic features back. Damn it! Uh, yeah. But He's, he has to get out of Juve because of all the. He has to go. Oh, didn't he already get you know, punted or something? Be, yeah, he needs to go be involved in another scam somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, but Bonato has been floated as a a great candidate because. Now, suddenly, his credentials look right for Alpine, which is that when he took over Ferrari, the squad was fractious. It had a kind of a rough management situation. Yeah. Uh, and they were kind of lost in terms of technical development. And say what you will about how he ran the team once they were competitive, he got them competitive. And so he might have just the skill set 
that Alpine is is crying out for here before the new the new engines in 2026. There you go. How's this French? Hmm. It's probably all right. Speak. I, mean, I think. He, I think. Italian I think this is one of these that's come up. I think he does speak it. He does. Oh. I think so. Yeah, it makes. Yeah, it's close enough to Italian. Okay. You know what I mean? A little bit trickier, but. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, getting back to uh, fighting shape, Danny, uh, what's James Vowles got to say? Yeah, to principal of Rob's been great about checking in on this story uh, with James Vowles. Um, the long and short of this being the the issues that they have that he has sort of been very transparent about with regard to Williams's just bad foundation that they have a lot of money that they need to spend. Uh, capital investment as it's known to basically get them kind of caught up with a lot of their peers on the grid in terms of just how the organization and their the way you know silly things like their facilities and their software and stuff like that which under the current cost cap regulations are sort of prohibitively expensive uh, because they will have to basically suck money away from other essential places to spend money Um so they had a uh, F1 commission at Spa on the Friday, and uh, this was basically where they were going to talk about this capital investment proposal for allowing a sort of a, a slight uh, in, in, in injection of capital outside of the cost cap regulations to help some of these teams catch up. And it sounds like it's not gone very well. Uh, Vows. Uh, quoted here in an article in Autosport says, if I wind back the 20th of February, which is a few days after I started here, was the first day I put uh, uh, on the table that we Williams need help. We cannot compete at the front with the facilities we have at the factory. That remains the case today. That hasn't changed. And in five months or so, it's unfortunate and it's disappointing, frankly, that we're in the situation where, again, that meeting, I would argue, went round in circles, if nothing else. Um, I was interested to see where the uh, pushback was coming from. I was imagining it would be the teams around him, but it sounds like that actually isn't the case. Uh, quoting Vows again here, um, it'll be no surprise that the back of the grid, near enough, all unanimously had their hands up for most of these votes. The ones at the front and the grid uh, did not. There were some exceptions to that. So obviously he's not blowing up anyone's particular spot, but it sounds like um sounds like the the fat cats at the top are kind of happy uh with the way the uh it's all this going. This is a and, top um, toto anime betrayal. <laughs> this is the little protege is taking over the scrappy like family F one team yeah. and like trying to a- catch a- up a- on t- Toto. Yeah, and like just absolutely the little thumbs down there. As as he's just begging for just, that he just put, a little he money, just a tiny bit of w- money for warehouse software. He wiggled his hand, just like thumb to the side, and then it tilted up slightly, and then down. Unlucky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope they figure this out, because, like, it's... I don't know how they get out of this with the cost yeah. cap. Like, you have to keep building an F1 car, but you can't do things like, you know... <laughs> right get database software or build a wind tunnel or you know do any of these other like infrastructural things it's it's hard right it's it's difficult right because like james Vaz could just be a really good salesman for this idea like this could all be hogwash or, or a little bit closer to hogwash than maybe he's saying like maybe the rest of the teams are going 
hey man you that's your bed you gotta it's gonna take you a few years you gotta like you're gonna have to like eat shit for a couple of seasons once you spend all that money but uh you know then then you'll be caught up and then you'll be in a better spot uh you know i don't know if that's a fair way of looking at it you would you would i think the frustrating thing for a team in williams's position here is that williams have uh kept themselves in a sport that for the longest time was not making anyone any money for the love of the sport and in a time where there is so much money getting pumped into these teams and they just can't spend it to, to be part of the game. Mm-hmm. I think that's like just, it's probably more frustrating than it is like detrimental to the future of the team. But I'm, I, you know, I would prefer them to be able to catch up for sure. But, you know, who knows how much James Vowes's, um, you know, analysis of this, it's obviously somewhat self serving. And, you know, who knows how accurate it well, necessarily is. Yeah. I mean, it, but it does strike me as enormously bad faith in a lot of ways because i mean obviously what the what the teams at the front are holding out for is well we can just increase the cost cap that's what that's what their position is well uh, you know what everyone should should you know everyone should get more money uh which which is the most like fat cat thing to do right (laughs) which is that well actually it's not fair that the people who are who are behind would get a little bit extra to yeah. make it capital improvements that we already made when we knew the, the budget cap was coming in. That we right. were. Have you seen Christian's uh, his his canteen bill right now? It's through the roof. Yeah. So it it, it it's like it is pretty slimy that the that the like leading teams are basically trying to hold the you know teams that are not not a competitive threat meaningfully. Uh, underwater unless they too get to spend more money and further cement their advantages uh, which again was, was partly locked in because they had the capital before the budget cap came in to make their make their improvements so it's you know we had a brief window I feel like of F1 team principal comedy around uh, or comedy around covid and trying to figure out like put yeah, this sport yeah. on a sustainable footing it feels like that spirit has completely left the room and is rapidly waning yeah well i guess we'll just have to see how if 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 vows can keep up the the good fight and uh see if we can get some somebody to budge here um uh last news story here uh, this was reported in a few different places in a few different ways, and it was actually kind of confusing. So, um, uh, like, <laughs> they kept saying, like, Formula One teams have come to F1 Academy. Ten, ten drivers now are going to be, you know, at Formula One teams. It's th- Yeah. To, they were t- to explain. Yeah. You explain. Go ahead. Yeah. F1 Academy is the, uh, the women-only racing series um, that is uh, the junior series for up-and-coming female racers that is trying to get uh, more women into the F1 um, track. Um, This year, 2023, is its inaugural season, and it's like it's not televised on TV. They do YouTube recaps uh, on the F1 YouTube channel, which are uh, great to watch. Um, Highly recommend that everyone check them out. But it just feels very much like a... uh, I don't know, like a like a proof of concept. Mm. Now it seems like they're 
they're enacting a little more of the game plan and getting buy-in from actual F1 teams. So what this actually means is cur currently there are it's a 15 driver grid, 10 um, uh, I'm sorry, five teams with three cars each, uh, and the teams are names you've heard of from like Formula Two and Formula Three. The the change for next year, um, and I'm not they're not quite clear on how this will work but 10 of those competitors will now have to be nominated by a formula one team uh, one per formula one team so and they will race then with the same liveries as the formula one teams because they are supported by uh, those teams um, so i think they're just trying to get uh i think not only more visibility toward um you know the the lineage here of what they're trying to achieve but also hopefully like uh this will mean that you know there will be that these drivers will have like an actual um relationship with these teams because it's very easy to say like oh yeah well we have the women's series and then like no one ever graduates to it yeah. right or like the teams don't really pay attention um so yeah We'll have to see how the details of this shake out, but uh, I think it's a really positive development. Yeah, I mean, from a visibility standpoint, it's a complete no-brainer because, like, there's there's one of the the issue that we've sort of run into over the years covering um, the various uh, women's only divisions uh, of of racing has been getting people to watch, and then the sort of like the 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 cir circular of evolution that you get from more people watching, more investment, more drivers coming in drivers coming in younger more investment blah 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 blah. as we see in all sports um that helping a lot and i mean if you look at you know the uh world cup is on the women's world cup is on right now at the moment and like that's a really good example of how you get people who maybe perhaps wouldn't have watched that previously a sport like that with women previously the world cup is a really easy entry for people because the context of who everyone is the stories the countries is apparent it's obviously you know something that uh, is tr you can transpose directly from the men's world cup to the women's world cup and the same is true of the uh, expanded uh, viewership of premier league women's football my team arsenal has always or has sort of over the past 10 15 years been on the forefront of that um in terms of like visibility for the women's game on like the arsenal tv and how they cover it in press releases and all that sort of stuff and what we've seen over the past couple of years is uh you know those t players uh interacting more with the main teams uh, sometimes playing in the main stadium a lot as well and this is happening in lots of other premier league clubs too and it's it, it creates a very easy vector for people who are already fans of the club to watch that team too because that's also one of the uh, club's teams so i think this is smart because if nothing else it's going to give an easier ramp for people to watch that stuff because they will have pre-existing um uh, affiliations and even if they don't have affiliations they'll have pre-existing associations and like that's the thing that's always the hardest when you go drop down and you watch formula two or formula three and you're looking at all these team names and all this you don't know who anyone is and you don't know yeah. what the history is prema are they ferrari it's they're 100 percent. and it's the same with like you know and that was a big point of formula e when they started it was letting you know who these teams were what they represented blah 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 blah, blah. so i think i think this is a great idea and, and the ultimate version of this is that all the cars on the grid are the same as the formula one cars i think that maybe is what they're going for eventually or maybe not we'll have to see but yeah i think it's a great idea 
Yeah, I, ju- I just feel like it's, you know, W Series kind of had a last mile problem. Like they produced yes, yes. a, like, I think Jamie Chadwick won all of the championships of that series from when it started to when it folded. Uh, and is in Indy next now. I, I actually, right. I don't, I don't know how she's doing. I don't think great. Like they, there needs to be that, that linkage, right? And because now this is an official Formula One um, endeavor, um, they've got Susie Wolf as managing director here, wife of Total Wolf, former Formula E uh, team principal, and the last woman to drive at a Formula One race weekend. Um, so hopefully, you know, they keep reinforcing this this pipeline and uh, and we see some things from it in the next few years. Uh, Jamie Chadwick, they're halfway through in the next at the moment. She is 16 of 20, I would say 20. It looks like one of the other ones is a fill-in. Um, okay. So uh, one of half the field are probably rookies. So not doing terribly, but not exactly lining up the field either. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's it for the news for this week. And as we head into the summer break, uh, yeah. here's how the championship standings Imagine it without stand. Red Bulls. Just for a second, you know? Just imagine. <laughs> Well, I'll get him out of the way early. Max Verstappen is on top with 314 points. His teammate is behind him in second, Sergio Perez, with 189. Then we've got uh, Fernando Alonso in third. And I think I heard David Croft say that Verstappen, Perez, Alonso has been the top three of the championship since the first race. Oh, wow. Uh, he has 149 points. But Lewis Hamilton in fourth, 148. One point Charles Leclerc is in fifth with with 99 points tied with George Russell. Uh, then we've got Carlos Sainz in seventh with 92. Lando Norris has 69. Ooh, uh, nice. Lance Stroll has <laughs> 47 points in ninth place. Esmond Ocon's in 10th with 35. Behind him, Piastri with 34, uh, getting some points this weekend. Pierre uh, Gasly. Uh, has 22. Alex Albon has 11. Nico Hulkenberg has 9. Valtteri Bottas in 15th place has 5 points. Then we've got Zhou Guan Yu with 4. Yuki Tsunoda with 3. Kevin Magnussen with 2. And then Logan Sargent, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, and Nick DeVries with 0. Mm. In the constructor standings, Rebel Racing is on top with 503 points. Ooh. Mercedes is in 2nd with 247. Aston Martin still in third with 196 points. Ferrari creeping up with 191. McLaren is in fifth with 103. Uh, They still have one more big upgrade, I think, to come. So uh, we have not seen the last of them yet. Uh, Alpine is in sixth with 57 points. Williams and Gene team tied with 11 points each at seventh and eighth place. Uh, Alfa Romeo is in ninth with nine points. And Alfa Tauri has three. If you would like to join the standings yourself, you can join our Fantasy League using the link in the show notes. Maybe the summer break is a good time to get in if you are not already. Mm. Uh, the top three from the Belgian Grand Prix uh, look like this. In third place, uh, ATSC3. Uh, in second place, Jordan GP3. And in first place, Danny's Vegas Vacation. <laughs> You gonna go, Danny? You gonna no? Those tickets are so expensive. They keep texting to watch me. a race. No, yeah. they keep texting me. Keep yeah, but it's just not. It's not happening. That's Danny Ricardo. No. Although Danny Ricardo can't have a vacation there now because he got a race. That's right. He can't even do his uh, his call and show with uh, <laughs> with 
Will Arnett. Oh yeah, and God, who are they going to fill in for that? Is it going to be? It's going to be <laughs> Nick Nick DeVries. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also apparently they did the um the kids uh, thing. the F1 broadcast for kids. Yeah, which you know, I was un- unable to watch because uh, apparently it's only for people that live in the UK or Germany. Yeah, I saw um, a bit of it. I saw some of the like meme bits. There was a one really good. It was a it was Silverstone, wasn't it? It was I think they did it. Um mm-hmm. yeah. and there was one great little interview that this uh they have I don't know, some pit reporter, this little girl and she was absolutely killing it. She was asking Oh, she was asking Max about Orlando about breaking Max's trophy. That's what it was. <laughs> that went yeah. viral. She was brilliant. She was like holding his uh, his feet to the uh, to the the fire on it. It was really good. Um, yeah, I wish I caught more of that. Uh, I did see a, a picture um, uh, of <laughs> a uh, a a child interviewer interviewing Yuki Tsunoda, and oh, Yuki no. was shorter than him. Oh no, really? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on, everyone. Come on. Respect the drivers, <laughs> for goodness sake. These children these days are just too tall. Uh, but overall in our foods. fantasy league, <laughs> <laughs> our fantasy league, top three are in third place, Lotus Begin, gentlemen. <laughs> That's good. In second place, Paying the Stroll Toll. And in first, with 3,766 points, wow. beat that Max Verstappen, we have... <laughs> Sins of a Catering Empire. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. That's very good. It's very good. That's very. That's very. Uh, you gotta. You gotta have deep pocket, deep hands in both the F one and video game pie. I feel like to uh, to to, <laughs> yes. to get that one, but it's good. It's good. Strong. Yeah. Uh, you can also send us an email shift f one podcast at gmail or f one cool slash emails. You can also hit us up on the socials using the links in the show notes. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world of racing, Danny? Let's race around the world. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you really projecting because you're in your studio. Exactly. Not I can your do it home. here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what happens is whenever I do the yum, because I record now across from my daughter's bedroom, and not, then she starts like saying, Dad, Daddy, Daddy, because she knows when I do the yum, <laughs> the show is over. So it's become like a, wow. like a calling card. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, kicking things off here, racing uh, this weekend on Thursday, the World Rally, uh, Secto Rally Finland Ooh. starts at y- Yva- Yvaskyla. Yvaskyla. <laughs> That's probably what it Finland. is. Finland. Yeah. Nailed it. Uh, MotoGP is at the Silverstone Circuit. Maybe you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. They also have the DTM, Danny. Oh, finally. It's been so long. I've barely been able to handle it. Yeah, the back of the Nürburgring is so long. It's I like, yeah, I like, to, I like to nudge life right in there. <laughs> uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is at the Michigan International Speedway in Brooklyn, Michigan for the Cabo Wabo 250. <laughs> what the fuck? What is Cabo Wabo? Does anyone know? Uh, it is, what actually is it? I think it's, a nightclub? is it, is it, uh, is it David Lee Roth or oh, is it really? Sammy, oh, Hagar? Sammy Hagar? I think Sammy it's, Hagar. I think it's Sammy Hagar's, oh, no. is it a restaurant? It says it's a nightclub restaurant. That is inspired by Cabo San Lucas. Okay. Very good. So it's just, uh, yeah. it's just Margaritaville for, uh, it's Hagar fans. For, for, yeah. For Van <laughs> Hagar. 
<laughs> folks. Uh, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship is at Road America this weekend. America. Uh, IndyCar is in Nashville, Tennessee for the Music City Grand Prix. That's Ooh. the weird one that goes over the bridge, oh, right? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's like we used to have uh, one of the those. World Rally. Uh, the uh, yeah. Valencia. Why, why, Valencia Grand Prix. Yeah. Baby Bridge, though. This is, this is more little, of a bridge. Little Baby Bridge. Yeah. Great, great bridge. There's Love one in this. Suzuka. Uh, a little overpass. Uh, yeah. The World Rally yeah. Cross Championship uh, is at Jules Takeny Circuit in Belgium for the World Rally Cross of Benelux. Oh, I love Benelux. Belgium. Yeah. Luxembourg, Great Netherlands. Together at last. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Super GT at the Fuji Speedway, everyone, uh, which is standing in the foothills of Mount Fuji in Oyama, Sunto District. Shizuoka Prefecture. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we got NASCAR. Back to Detroit. Let's go to Cabo Wabos or whatever it's called. <laughs> Close we Not are. Not Detroit, Grayson. sorry, Brooklyn. Yep, Brooklyn, Michigan for the Fire Keepo, Fire, Fire Keepos, <laughs> Fire Keepers Casino oh, 400. Terrific. Lunch at Cabo right. Wabo and then the Fire Keepers for dinner. You don't yep. get more American than that. <laughs> well. Uh, and that's us around the world, Danny. That's what's happening this weekend. But that's what it. is happening in the past? In, what is happening in the past? Let's find <laughs> out together, shall Listen, we? I've, I read this one ahead of time. It's late here. It is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. You're both on East Coast time as well at the moment, which is yeah. uh, f- fair play. Um, I'm 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 right near the 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 tricky triangle. I am oh, in the Pocono in, Mountains. The Pocono Mountains, beautiful. Is that is that East Coast? Mm-hmm. That's East Time. Yeah, is it? it's Pennsylvania. Yeah. Pennsylvania, love it. It's good old PA. East of Mississippi. Say hi to the triangle for me. Um, we'll do this day in the past, August second. Uh, we have some beautiful history. I hope you proofread this one. I absolutely did. Um, last week's <laughs> haunted me until the end of racing on Sunday. Uh, since the start of the World Championship in 1950, the German Grand Prix has always been at the Nürburgring or at Hockenheim, with one exception. Today, in 1959, the race was held at the curious Avus Circuit in Berlin. The track is really just two long stretches of motorway with a hairpin at each end and is now oh part God. of a public road. The race is split into two heats amid concerns that the tyres would not last. British driver Tony Brooks won for Ferrari with Americans Dan Gurney and Phil Hill making it an all-Ferrari podium. How about that? Three Ferraris. Wow. Good on a motorway. <laughs> the Autobahn in the middle of Berlin. Um... The 1970 German Grand Prix held on this day was switched to Hockenheim at the last minute after the drivers refused to race at the Nürburgring until safety was improved. Austrian Jochen Rindt won to take him 20 points clear in the championship, but it was his last ever win as he was killed later uh, in the season at the Italian Grand Prix uh, uh, to become F1's only posthumous world championship. Sorry, world champion. So <laughs> the answer is I proofread the first paragraph, not the we second. We knew one. about Jochen. It's a familiar story. <laughs> we, that's true. Like, yeah, that's true. We knew. Like yeah. I did. I yeah. did not know about just the nightmarish fate of the Ascari family. Like I, right, that didn't, yeah, that was did nice. not realize that they were they were under a motorsports curse. That was very that was very sad to hear about. Uh, but yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely mad. Um, before we go for the break, because mm-hmm. we're having a little break ourselves, aren't we, gentlemen? Um, we are. Uh, here on Shift F1. I want to remind people of uh, the races that are coming up um, here uh, with, with the sure. rest of the, the season. We have had 12 of the 22 races. China was obviously cancelled, so we're one down. Um, and when we get back, we have a couple of double headers and a triple header in there as well. So uh, the 13th race will be back on the 27th of August for Zandvoort uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, quickly, a week after that, we will be in Monza. Then there is a week break. After that, we have another double header. We have Singapore on the 17th of September, followed by Suzuka on the 24th. We have another break. Um, and then we have Qatar on its own at La Salle. Uh, break following that again. I think the Chinese Grand Prix was meant to be there. Uh, then we have a triple header of the United States Grand Prix in Coda, Mexico City Grand Prix, of course, at Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez and Interlagos in Sao Paulo after that. And then we have uh, another break, and then the last two together, Las Vegas on the 18th of November and Abu Dhabi on the 26th. So uh, some interesting tracks, a new track in there, uh, lots of uh, lots of family favorites in there as well. Uh, Qatar and Japan for sure, Singapore as well. Have we not been to Singapore since, were we in Singapore last year? Did that happen again? I can't remember. Singapore was the was one of those COVID ones that uh, didn't come back for a little while. I'm trying to remember. Did we have it last year? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Sorry, it's late. Um, well, uh, yeah, but yeah, there you go. That's the uh, that's the. We did run, have it last the year. Run of it. We did. I just hey Perez wasn't very memorable. Wow, there you go. Checo, greatness is calling. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, final thoughts, uh, Danny, ahead of um, our break here. We, we, <laughs> we, we'll be off for, I think, two two weeks, uh, and then we'll be back with a pre-race for uh, the Netherlands. Or, or were those your final thoughts? Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're if you're super, super bored and you want to listen to some podcasts, uh, consider jumping on our Patreon, even if just for the month. And you can, you know, there's dozens of podcasts on there. Um, well, and we will have our, our episode about uh, Gran Turismo of once course. it comes out. Uh, we might need August to postpone 11th? that because it keeps getting postponed by Oppenheimer. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so wow. it's now end of okay. August. So I actually think wow. we need a different oh, wow. movie for this month. And we could do Barbie. There's, huh. a, there's a car in Barbie. <laughs> there is. Barbie. <laughs> Carby. Are there other video game car movies? Um, there's no Project Gotham Racing. There is a documentary about Gran Turismo drivers, um, which I think is somewhat what the Gran Turismo movie is based on. Oh, too. Should, it, yeah. Is there is there like a Yan Mardenborough documentary? I think there might. I I don't know if it's a one thing or a series or something. Mm. Okay, but I won't be surprised. Is there no like a? There's no like a yeah. What what what's a classic like Ridge Racer? <laughs> it should be a Ridge Racer movie. That'd be cool. <laughs> I'd watch that. Ridge Racer. Mario Kart. Good time. Mario Kart movie. Let's watch Duel. I just, I keep putting Duel right. on the, the, the vote, the Patreon vote, and it keeps coming in like second or third. Uh, we should watch that. That just is a Steven Duel. Spielberg movie, I believe. His first. His first movie. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Big truck. I only know about that because when they were, Arcane were making LMNO, they put the Duel truck in the video because they thought oh, Steven cool. Spielberg would like it, because they were showing it to Steven Spielberg. Um, <laughs> there you go. 
Uh, yeah, nice. maybe we'll do dual. But yeah, final thoughts. Nah, just like uh, it's a funny out season. I'm enjoying a lot of races. There's a lot of competitiveness, but I'm also uh, I'm sort of like a blind optimist on most things. So I totally get it if people are feeling a little bit of a drag with this one. Um, yeah, it's we're in a weird spot with F1 at the moment. It's never been more popular, and we are in a bit of a competition funk at the top, and something's got to give. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, the way that I look at it is the more that you learn about it, the more you can see during a race and find enjoyment in it. So even though, you know, it's not uh, maybe what we want, at least there are things to uh, to, to glean from it. Mm. Um, but yeah, final thoughts, Rob, heading into the break. I'm kind of dismayed to learn that uh, apparently there's only the Inuit uh effectively uh eskimo are not a thing oh really it's a completely so it is a it's a term that there's actually a great deal of mystery as to like how did this even happen because you can't really get there via any of the words that like the uh the inuit or the uh yupik people like use to refer to themselves so uh yeah the entire like eskimo words for snow thing isn't really a thing because it, the asking about itself is a corrupted <laughs> word name. for the people who live there who are the the Inuit and the and the Yupik. However, oddly enough, it does appear that in some dialects at least, they got a lot of words for snow and ice. There you go. Wow. Wow. What a what a twist at the end of this podcast. I bet you didn't see that coming, listener. <laughs> Ah, well, uh, if you would like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shiftf1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next time.